Welcome to Impacting Jamaica, where we shine the spotlight on the many but often ignored positive happenings, activities, projects and investments at every level across every sector to inspire, motivate and excite people everywhere. Impacting Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, Red Stripe, Caramed and Proven Investments Limited. I am Luke Douglas and welcome to another episode of the Impact in Jamaica podcast. Today I have with me Mr. Richard Henry from Rise Life Management Services. Thank you for joining me, Richard. Tell me your, your title, your proper title. Uh, my proper title is uh, Program Manager for Addiction Counseling Services but specific to the program for the prevention and treatment of gambling disorders and responsible gaming. Wow, gambling disorders. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about underage gambling. So Rise Life Management Services has recently signed an agreement with the Betting, Gaming and Lotteries Commission, the BGLC. Yeah. And tell me a little bit more about that, Richard. Well, let me clarify. We didn't just sign an agreement. Uh, we've been doing this for 17 years with them. Oh. Yes. Um, and so they are the funders of our program, sole funders. Um, it's a model that is catching on worldwide where the regulators of gambling uh, also have an impact on responsible gaming throughout um, the jurisdiction that they're in. And the model works actually very well. Everything that we do surrounding and specific to gambling-related problems is supported by the Betting Gaming and Lotteries Commission in uh, quite a few ways. The BGLC has been able to support us to cover a very important area, the one that we're talking about, underage gambling prevention, which is uh, critical to any responsible gaming program. Um, uh, the international data already tells us that uh, youngsters who start gambling at a very early age risk carrying uh, that gambling behavior into adulthood. Um, carrying that, adult, that gambling behavior into adulthood also increases the likelihood of you developing a gambling-related problem. So yes. it's, it's important for us to, for the lack of a better uh, phrase, nip it in the bud very early by educating our youngsters about the issues that surround gambling. Generally, if you look at the landscape of gambling now, it has uh, increased um, tremendously in terms of adverts that young people be seeing about gambling, radio and television, etc. Therefore, it's not business as usual. Uh, when I was growing up, I didn't have to negotiate uh, those adverts and seeing things happening around gambling. Um, I always describe it as our Jamaican youth now live in an era of the most legalized and socially acceptable gambling ever in Jamaica's history. Therefore, their education about underage gambling and the consequences and how that prevents them from developing, developing into uh, adults who are productive it's very important for us to uh, be able to give them those skills. So let's talk a little bit about legalized gambling. So we're talking about horse racing. We're talking about the lotto, sure. the, lot the lottery games. It's gaming lounges, which yes. they ought not to be able to get into. Right, where, like the boxes that you can right. um, bet on and so on, right. whether the horse racing or those slot bingo machines, slot machines, right? Like that, roulette and stuff like that. Yes. And so we have quite a few gaming lounges. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in Jamaica, quite a few people consider them uh, casinos. They're not casinos. They're gaming lounges. Mm -hmm. um, the specific criteria to be able to be labeled as a casino. And all of these are licensed by the BGLC. Most certainly licensed by yes. the BGLC. 
Right. And so it is important for the for us to be able to also work with some of those gaming lounges and uh, to some extent with the people that deal with uh, the lottery, cash pot and that sort of thing mm -hmm. to be able to educate persons selling that you do not sell to persons under the age of 18. How widespread is underage gaming, underage gambling in Jamaica compared to, let's say, the rest of the Caribbean and other countries of the world? Excellent question, but unfortunately, I don't have the data to answer that in the way that I ought to. Mm -hmm. The data that I'm going to use is comes from the only study ever done on gambling in Jamaica and the English-speaking Caribbean, and it's the Jamaica Child and Adolescent Gambling Survey 2007. Mm -hmm. and, so, and, and so we're proud that we were able to, along with the BGLC, execute that study. In that study, uh, it showed that uh, one in five persons under the age of 18 uh, were at risk for or had developed a gambling-related problem. And if you put that into context, yes. uh, worldwide, that is high. Yeah, mm. and so that from that study in 2007, we were able to go back to the drawing board and reorganize how it is that we approach underage gambling. And so came up with the development of our lesson plans, which we went into schools and taught guidance counselors. We went through lesson plans, six lesson plans with students as well. And from our pre and post tests, we were able to, at about 90% or more, increase the knowledge base of students. Because uh, we don't just believe in just saying, well, you're under 18, you must not gamble. Young persons are going to be curious because of uh, how prevalent it is in the society. It is important to educate them. Yes. Someone who has the knowledge is able to make a better decision about uh, issues you know, relating to gambling. So we don't hide information from the students when we go into a classroom. Uh, we give them enough information to help them to make a better decision. And from where we sit, it works. It's just that we need to be able to replicate it like a hundredfold. Right. So you're talking about a 2007 study. This is 2022, a few years later. Based on your anecdotal um, evidence on what you are seeing, how do you characterize a problem at this time, 2022? I think from an anecdotal perspective, I would say we're in the same place. Mm. But the place that we're in is still not a good place. I mean, we would have needed to have brought down uh, that 20% number um, significantly. Um, interestingly, though, from data internationally, the rate of underage gambling uh, problems with young people is always very much higher than with adults. So we don't know what happens in the tra transition from adulthood, from childhood into adulthood. Some people outgrow the behavior, some people make better decisions and decide to do something else. But still, we're, we're also still very concerned with the, the, the rates that we see now. We are hoping at some point to be able to ask the Betting Gaming Lotteries Commission to do another study on uh, adolescents so that we have some comparative data to look at. I mean, to the credit of the BGLC, however, we just completed a study on adult gambling in Jamaica, yes. a first as well okay. in Jamaica and English-speaking Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're very thankful that the BGLC was uh, decided to support that study. Mm -hmm. I haven't come out with the data yet, and we're planning a you know, press conference where we can share that information. And some of that information will, if you're able to compare it, to the adolescent study, be able to give you a little bit of direction because some of the kids who would have uh, experienced the adolescent study would have probably gone into adulthood by now 
and so the rates of underage of gambling disorders among adults is something that we can look at and compare to the rates that we had in 2007. Nonetheless, we still need a study um, on adolescents. Yeah, we need another study. Gambling at this time. Most definitely. We certainly look forward to that adult study. Trying to break down what happens to um, youngsters who are involved in gambling from an early age. Um, tell me some of the consequences of, of this type of behavior. Most certainly, uh, it will affect goals and the development, the achievement of goals, especially if those goals, and as an adolescent, those goals will be tied to academic performance. Yes. And so we always walk through with kids, you know, you want to become a police officer. How do you do that? Well, I have to finish high school. Well, you can't finish high school if in grade eight and nine, you're being suspended repeatedly for gambling. Yes. At some point in time, you may get expelled. If you get expelled, that goal that you have of becoming a police officer will certainly disappear unless you change that behavior. And so right. we make those kinds of tie-ins for young people to make it very practical for them. So young people are being suspended for, from school for gambling? Oh, and that has, of course that happened. And so one of the things that we have to talk to schools about, especially deans of discipline, is that the rehabilita rehabilitative aspect is very important right. and it's probably 75% uh, of what we do. But we encourage schools to also have punitive measures because oftentimes when a behavior that needs to be changed goes without being punished, mm -hmm. no consequences, usually the behavior is repeated. So we also believe in consequences. We don't want them to be extremely harsh, but there must be something there apart from rehabilitative uh, therapy to say to the youngster, well, if I do this, this is what's going to happen to me. Now, is there any particular age group that's involved in underage gambling? Can you narrow it down to a particularly rare group? And also, what does it, the evidence say in terms of the gender that's involved? Are the, is it just boys or is it boys and girls? I can't narrow it down to say 10 to 14, mm -hmm. which stay within a range of uh, 10 to 17. Mm -hmm. If you talk about... Uh, boys are uh, the majority of gamblers that we have on the age. So, yeah. yes. And, and it, it, it carries into adulthood because mm -hmm. the majority of gamblers that we have worldwide are men. Male yes. yeah, mm -hmm. versus female. But if I step back a little to your question, other mm -hmm. consequences of underage gambling? Uh, delinquency and crime. Because young oh. people don't have money. And so how do you get money to be able, they don't have jobs, how do you yes. get money to be able to fuel the gambling that's taking place. Yes. And so oftentimes they're stealing from home, they're stealing at school. Uh, if it's boys who are in the upper school, sometimes they shake down the kids who are in the lower school. Yes. Because a kid will go to school, start gambling and lose his lunch money within the first 20 minutes of arriving at school. Wow. And so mm -hmm. that in itself is, is, is problematic. So when you say gambling, they're actually gambling at school? What, what are right. the types of gambling? Well, it's nothing that's illegal. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about playing primarily cards yes. and dice games. Oh, right. And that is with their peers. Of course, most definitely. Uh, another consequence, as you talk, is mm -hmm. you get into fights. Yes. Yeah, and sometimes those fights can lead to someone being seriously yeah, uh, injured. injured. Mm -hmm. Separate and apart from that, there's also, you know, young persons, adolescents, at that time when you spend you spend a lot of time with people your own age, your peers, and you right. grow and develop and you share, you know, ideas, information, experiences. What happens when a youngster gets into a gambling-related activity? He tends to shed the peers that are not involved with the gambling activity. Oh. So uh, 
his friends now become those who are involved um, with gambling primarily. And so, um, again, that will lead to them, you know, being more involved with gambling activity, uh, not involved with other peers who have goals of doing well in school. And so, socially, when you get a youngster who has a gambling-related issue, one of the goals you have to set as a therapist is to find a way to reunite him with the youngsters who he was hanging out with before. maybe a year ago before. Yes. And these mm-hmm. youngsters would be persons who have goals and looking to move up in, you know, they're probably part of school clubs, clubs or, and, exactly, you know, sports right? groups. Sport, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and you find that the ones who are involved in gambling would would drop off, they would drop out of sports teams oh, and of course. not go to training, not go to... Well, you can't because yes. while your training is going on, there's a gambling game going on. Right. So you need to get there. Mm-hmm. And so the choice now is about doing all that you can do to be involved with gambling activities yes. and not with other what we call healthier and more appropriate right. types of activities. Yeah. Do you get their parents involved? How, how does that work? Most definitely. Uh, you can't, in our estimation at Rice, treat anyone for any sort of addiction, yes. uh, especially an adolescent, without involving uh, parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so what um, do the parents say when they find out that their boys and girls are involved in gambling? Um, all right, so it's a mix. Oftentimes, most disappointed. Um, part of our program takes us into PTAs. Yes. So we make an effort to be able to speak to parents, not just about underage gambling. Mm-hmm. We speak to parents about their own gambling. Because oh, yes. oftentimes their own gambling is what is driving their uh, son or daughter uh, you know, to be awarded, to be involved with gambling as yes. well. We got kids who live in communities and their yard is the community gambling yard. Yes. And so the gambling takes place every night. And so though the parents don't want the kid to be upfront involved in gambling, their responsibility that night may be to bring water to the tables. Mm-hmm. But the youngsters are still there and seeing what happens. Initiated. Exactly. And yes. still having to, with their own thinking, negotiate what's happening here. Yes. And understand, well, this guy just won a lot of money. Why can't I when it's my time, be involved with that as well. Yes. And so it is about talking to parents and saying, this can't happen anymore right. because this is the street that your son or yes. daughter is going down as a result of. And now a word from our sponsors. We want to help you mark every milestone. Celebrate the joy of living. Cheers to the best in life. Drink and live responsibly. A message from Red Stripe, part of the Heineken Company. John John, Manoya in there. Mwa no when lights a come back. And a pinky this time. Akisha. Keisha. Just like me tell Pinky. Give GPS your number and then we'll send your text with them things there. So you can't stop, knock my door. What you mean? DM or call JPS and tell them to add your phone number to your account and you will know everything all the time. You're not for ask. Send your current contact information and always be in the know. Visit jpsco.com for more info. Searching for a one-stop solution to all your facilities maintenance needs? Visit Manpower Maintenance Services Sales and Distribution Center. We stock a wide range of COVID-19 washroom cleaning and other supplies, gardening tools, chemicals, and more. Our experts are always ready to give you the best advice. Manpower Maintenance Services Sales and Distribution Center, 14 Collins Green Avenue, Kingston, Freeport Commercial Center, Montego Bay, and 33 Ward Avenue, Mandeville. Visit or call us today, 876-920-47215. Manpower. 
Welcome back to our podcast. So BGLC is involving legal gambling. Most, what, what, most of what you're explaining is like the, the, the cards and the, you know, the, the kind of drop on kind of things, right. which are illegal. Is there a problem among youth when it comes on to legal gambling, like the horse racing and the cash pots? We haven't heard about an extensive problem in that way. Mm -hmm. However, where the BGLC would come into play is that we're not waiting for that problem to grow. Uh, we are encouraging all the lottery companies to have training for their staff members, to have training for the persons that they have selling to the public so that when the youngster comes to the window mm -hmm. and says, well, my mother sent me to buy you know, the cash pot and uh, even though they person selling knows the mother, that person needs to be able to say, well, even though I know your mother very well, you need to go and get her because you're not allowed to buy. Because oftentimes what can happen, the kid may start off buying for the mother, and if he's sold, and then how do you determine whether the mother sent him the next occasion is not him trying to do it on his own? Absolutely. So we are definitely promoting the education of all the persons who sell. Yes. And just like we talked about mm -hmm. the consequences the persons who are selling need to understand what kind of damage is done when young people on, under the age of 18 get into gambling at an age way, way too early. Do you think it's getting through to the gaming companies that they are training their staff, they are doing the right things when it comes to underage gambling? Yeah, um, to their credit, and I can speak specifically to Supreme Ventures, mm -hmm. who we have a fairly good relationship as well. They have in the past have even sponsored uh, our jingle competition and poster oh. competition right because we have you know made it a point of duty to to speak with them about the fact that uh underage gambling is something that we want to not wait until the problem uh, arises but we want to be able to continue to short circuit that ever even happening i don't think any country with a gambling uh industry uh, is free of underage gambling, but we want to be able to have that in a place where uh, we can manage and to the point where we can work towards eradicating that completely. But uh, Supreme Ventures does provide some support to programs like that when we offer their sponsorship of a program. BGLC took, then took the jingle and made an animation out of it. Okay. And so we use that when we go around island-wide talking about underage gambling. And it's a, made sure it is a real catchy tune for young people to be able to. Fantastic. Yes. We were speaking earlier, you're talking about some of the training that you have to do with the guidance counselors mm -hmm. in schools. Tell me a little bit about that. I said to you that we just re-signed an MOU. We had one from 2009 to mm -hmm. 2014. Yes. We have a new one, just freshly signed last week. Mm -hmm. And that allows us access to all guidance counselors, all uh, teachers and other personnel who might be involved with the discipline of students in school and need to have an understanding of underage gambling. And most importantly, to all school-based youth. Yes. And so though we're in schools, uh, for the last maybe four or five years, we have averaged about 17,000 students per year in our sensitization sessions. Right. And these are what? Secondary schools? We go to or primary. Primary too. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and I'll and I tell you why. We When we started the, pro the, the, the program, 
I went into a high school. Yes. And I went to grade 11. I said, how many persons here are gambling? And maybe about 50% of the hands went up. Oh. This is probably about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm in the wrong classroom because what I want to do is universal prevention. I want to grab kids who are not gambling yes. and keep them not gambling. Right. Those kids who are already gambling, should have a, we have a special intervention for them. Season gamblers right. does. So <laughs> I, I, I worked my way from grade 10 right. down to grade 7 yes. before I found a classroom that had least amount of kids that would have had any type of gambling activity. Yes. So we recognize it's important. We are now in primary schools at grade five and six. Mm-hmm. Because if I can or if we can get kids at that age to understand the issues that surround underage gambling, how do you make a good decision around not gambling? Yes. Then you take that into high school and when the peer pressure hits you to get involved from these other new kids now you're gonna meet from all different walks of life, you're better able to make a good decision. Is it difficult to get the children to understand that gambling is not really a good thing, given the amount of advertising that there is in the media? Let me clarify. Yes. Rise Life Management Services has never been against gambling. Yes. We're not, we're not foolish. Gambling has always existed and will always continue to exist. What we're happy for is that the gambling is now, now exists in a place that we can see it and monitor and do the things that are necessary. Yes. So underage gambling, of course, is a no-no. Um, the idea of gambling being bad, we want kids to be able to make their own decision around that. But what we can tell them, that it is a bad idea to do it while you're under the age of 18, because not only is it illegal, the consequences that come with that. Science has shown us that the brain does not is not fully developed until age 24. Yes. So you're talking about a cohort of youngsters that are still developing and yes. with the pressures of making decisions around gambling and what, how we know the brain reaction. Science has also shown us that a gambling disorder is akin to having a substance use disorder, meaning that the same chemicals in your brain right. that are at play during the addiction uh, process of to a substance, mm-hmm. those same chemicals are at play uh, when you're developing an addiction to gambling. Yes. And that's significant. That's right. And so for young people, we want them to be able to allow their brain to mature and develop and, and have the ability to make good decisions, not mm-hmm. being influenced by the reward center in your brain, being overwhelmed, etc., etc. And so that's why our prevention piece is well-rounded. It not just speaks to gambling, luck, randomness, and helping them to understand concepts. It speaks to also uh, what are external and internal influences. How do you value your values help you to make good decisions? Uh, Looking at a decision-making module and giving them those skills to make a good decision around the issue of gambling. Because the truth is, uh, kids are going to make their own decision. Right. Yeah, you're not going to bully them into, you should not be gambling. But when we feed you all this information, number one, it's illegal, etc., uh, we hope that you will make a good decision. Right. So tell me a little bit more some about your success stories in terms of tackling this problem of underage gambling. We have had youngsters who have come through um, our program um, who have shifted their road in terms of uh, gambling activity and now mm-hmm. are on a better road, doing better in schools. Uh, we just got a testimonial. We used it at the function we had with the CVSS and the BGLC the other day. Uh, from Kingston Technical High School who are seeing their gambling activity in the school 
uh, dropped significantly right. uh, because of the interventions that we have been doing mm -hmm. uh, in the school. I mean, uh, the main aim is to highlight it and to have all the kids on board. Mm -hmm. I saw a video the other day of a young lady who was uh, using her phone to capture some gambling that was taking place in a particular area of a school. Oh. And in the video, she was naming out who was there. That video ended up with the guidance counselor okay. who tried to seek help with us. Yes. So we want kids like that mm -hmm. to also take it on board that what's happening in the school with gambling isn't right. Yes. And if you can, you, people might then form a mentality in Jamaica, but you're actually helping the kid who right. is gambling yes. by getting him into some problems. We don't want the school to put him out, but we want the school to recognize that he needs to get some help. Right. And that gambling activity that's taking place needs to stop. With respect to the pandemic, how did it impact on your, mm. your work? Positively and negatively. Negatively because we couldn't get into the schools to do our face-to-face -face sensitization sessions. Right, right. Positively because it forced us to become creative. And so we developed what we call an EduPack, Underage Gambling Prevention EduPack. Yes. And so we contacted the Ministry of Education and um, we took orders to you know, give the different regions who would then send it out to kids who were at home. So there was both soft and hard copies as yes. well. And so if a parent came to pick up homework stuff for their child, they would get that EduPack as well. And we had guidance counselors who would use the EduPack during their virtual session mm -hmm. in school. And so the EduPacks became very popular. And yes. so even though we're back face to face, we can still use the EduPacks to um, be able to teach. And the EduPacks are just, you know, around the same issues, you know, what is gambling? What are the consequences? How your goals are impacted by underage gambling activity? What are your goals? Oh. We like to talk about anti-gambling activities. What are those activities that's going to prevent you mm -hmm. from getting into gambling? Well, so tell me a about, little bit about the anti-gambling volunteering. Yes. We're talking about being involved with sports. Right. We're talking about staying aligned with hobbies and reading. Number one, of course, is being in tune with your education. Just various activities that are more appropriate, that will have a more appropriate outcome or more uh, the likelihood that the kid will be successful in school. Yes. And those are the activities. It's mm -hmm. simple as going to church. Yes. It's simple as looking next door and seeing that there's an elderly person who lives next door. Maybe there's a day or two you can give a hand. Maybe there's something she needs to get done. So it's mm -hmm. about even bringing back the spirit of volunteering yes. as an anti-gambling type of activity. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to um, add, um, Richard? Sure. Uh, while, while speaking to you, there's an important piece yes. about media. While we have a code of conduct for mm -hmm. gaming lounges that speaks to how you know you advertise and media and stuff like that. Right. From where we sit at Rise, we allow us to be JLC's work. We want to educate. We want to talk about media literacy with kids around underage gambling. Yes. So we want to help them to interpret the advert that they're seeing on TV. Okay. And mm -hmm. understand that gambling is only fun and entertainment. When it goes outside of fun and entertainment, it is not a job. Well, yes. When it when, when it becomes a livelihood, it's not. It's not work. Yes. Yeah. And so. You might see adverts that if you don't know how to interpret them, and in classrooms we sit down and talk about, say if you want to give yourself a better chance to step up in a life, you need your education. Right. It isn't buying a number. I see what you did there, Richard. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> we have to yes. um, help kids to 
to, to understand what they're seeing in the media right and how do you you know interpret that in a way that allows you to make good decisions and not be drawn into what you're saying because unfortunately there are some kids who see that and think that that's their ticket out yes and it might be influenced too by what's happening in their community as right. well and so that little piece of media literacy around gambling related activities mm -hmm. very important for us because the adverts are all around Right. They're not going to stop. They're probably mm -hmm. even going to get more if we continue to expand the industry. Rise has no problem with that. What's important is that we continue to educate young people mm -hmm. and we continue to tackle the issues of underage gambling ahead of time. So Richard Henry, where can we get more information on your underage gambling programs? Well, we have a website mm -hmm. uh, and that is risejamaica.org. We also have a telephone lifeline that operates almost 24 hours and I mean this is open to adults and adolescents where you can call and speak to a counselor at any time 1-888-991-4146 yes and uh, there's also rise responsible gaming and that's on Facebook mm -hmm. I think that's a similar handle we have on Instagram as well and so we have a specific campaign thanks again to the betting gaming electric commission and given COVID the pandemic as well, yes. how we would reach uh, young people, they recognized that there were some limitations school being out. And so we were able to get into our, uh, the last budget, a line item for social media. Yes. And so we have a social media campaign that runs continuously and uh, we change the material. We run quarterly and every quarter we look at what we need to do. We also do work with adults uh, through that social media, but we promote a lot of underage gambling prevention through that social media handle. Indeed. Thanks again, Richard Henry, for talking to me about underage gambling on the Impact in Jamaica podcast. And I wish you every success in what is a very important work. We do need our young people to stay focused on their goals and not let gambling take them away from all that they can achieve. Thanks again. Thank you very much, sir. Impact in Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Red Stripe, Kyramed, and Proven Investments Limited. If you or anyone you know is involved with projects and activities that excite, motivate, and encourage, send us an email to impactingjamaica at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Do join us again for another in the series on Google Podcast, Audible, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. You can also visit us at impactingjamaica.com.